millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to How to Eat to Save the Planet, the podcast that takes a comprehensive look at sustainable food production from field to fork. I'm Julie Smith and I'm looking at how we can learn from the past to reduce our carbon footprint on the way we eat by learning some of the granny skills that have got lost in our shrink-wrapped, consumption-heavy, busy-brained lives. This week, a vision of a post-corona future in which we've all learned how to eat to save the planet, ethically, hyperlocally, with zero waste, with an example already happening across the country. It's such a fantastic crop, puts fertility into the soil, it's a great, great crop, wonderful for farming. Farmers keep growing it, even though we stopped eating it a few hundred years ago. A lot of the compost trays that the microgreens come in, we take to our allotment. A lot of our food is going to come from there this year. Less but better but much less and much better. Recorded in Bristol just days before Britain went into lockdown, this is a story of resilience, of making do with what we've got and then seriously upping our game. Food is much more than what's on the plate for a growing band of eco-chefs across the world who look at the whole story behind their ingredients. And we'll meet a couple of them later. Chef and author Tom Hunt, whose restaurant Poker Tapas won the Sustainable Restaurant Association Business of the Year in 2016 and 2018 for its superior sourcing. And his head chef, Ian Clark, who's cooking me up a great British feast for dinner based around Hodmadod's British-grown pulses. But first, we meet one of Hodmadod's three founders, Nick Saltmarsh at Pocatapas, who told me why they decided to bring back a British bean that's been around for a very, very long time. The, the three of us who founded Hobbitods, we worked together previously for a, an organisation that supported local and sustainable food. And about 10 years ago or so, um, a community group in Norwich, the Transition Town Group, asked us to help them to understand if it would be possible, theoretically, for a city like Norwich to feed itself from its agricultural hinterland. And we looked at the figures of production and what people eat and how to get the right balance of nutrients in your diet and what sort of foods could achieve that. And we essentially discovered that, yes, you could, in theory, feed a city like Norwich from the farmland that surrounds it, but we would need to make some changes to our diet. And one of the most effective changes is just to get more of our protein from plant-based ingredients, from, well, particularly pulses, but other arable crops. Which, of course, was nothing new to the British diet, but we've kind of lost our weight for a very long time. Well, that's exactly what we discovered, because we started thinking about how we could produce some sort of uh, source of vegetable protein, some pulse, a chickpea, a lentil, or some other bean or pea in the area around Norwich to be the the source of protein for for this um, 
hypothetical diet. And then we suddenly realised that there were beans being grown all around Norwich anyway, the fava bean, um, grown widely across Norfolk, wide, uh, across the rest of East Anglia and, and across the whole of the UK. But we don't eat them here. And when we looked into it, we realised that we used to eat them. They're one of the first uh, farmed crops brought here by Iron Age farmers. They used to be a central part of our diet, one of the main sources of protein, an ideal crop that can be harvested once a year, stored dry through the year and gives you that year-round source of protein in dishes like pottage, which um, we would have eaten for, for thousands of years until we started to get richer as a country and turned away from beans and started to eat a lot more meat and dairy and get our protein there. Peas pottage, also known as peas pudding or peas porridge, is a savoury pudding, particularly popular in the Tudor period. It involved boiling legumes, usually split yellow peas, with water, salt and spices, and was often cooked with a bacon or ham joint. So is that it? So all those split peas that we would use to naturally nourish ourselves and which we will have to turn back to when we are all isolated in our homes, keeping corona at bay, all those pulses, all those staples, our grandmothers used all the time. Yes, and and what happened was they they became stigmatised as the food of the poor because the only people who had to keep eating dried beans, dried peas, were those who were too poor to afford a lot of meat in their diet. So they needed the beans for the protein. Once the beans became stigmatised as the food of the poor, people didn't want to be seen eating them. And you can just see that cookery books barely mention them. You go back centuries and go back far enough and they're mentioned, but then they suddenly drop out of the history because they're just not considered... a a, an ingredient for a, 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 a wealthy person and not considered a, a high status ingredient. And the wonderful irony of course is that peasant food that is so expensive now is the stuff that we absolutely idolise you know the, the cassoulet of France the lentils of, of Italy that is poor people's food a- Absolutely and in other parts of the world they've held on to that as a more deeply embedded part of their culture. But we've fetishised it. We, but, but what's fantastic is that we are rediscovering these ingredients that were stigmatised, not because they're not great foods, just because of their status and yeah. where they fitted into the hierarchy. It's extraordinary. What we're talking about, let's just, you know, because people will think, well, chickpea, where, it, where does it grow? It grows in those little beans that we see coming up in shoots. It's like... We know runner beans, we know broad beans, we see these in our gardens. They're the little pods, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. So we're, we're all pretty familiar with peas, certainly, and we, we know that peas grow in pods. But all pulses, whether they're beans, peas, chickpeas, lentils, aduki beans, there's a whole range of pulses that are all leguminous plants that produce their seeds in pods. And when we stopped eating them dry, which is a pulse is the dried seed of one of these plants... When we stopped eating them dry, we turned to the fresh, immature um, fruit of these plants as a sort of luxury vegetable. So we started to eat fresh peas and fresh broad beans and fresh runner beans and French beans as well. But the way they would always have been eaten, where they have the most nutrition and, and also, I would argue, the most flavour, is when they're left to fully mature and ripen and dry before they're harvested. And then we then get this fantastic variety of dried pulses that can be used in all sorts of different dishes and they're used all around the world. Chef, food writer and new presenter of BBC's Ready Steady Cook, Romy Gill, is a champion of Hodmadod pulses. Her red lentil dal is a simple recipe from her book Zyka. Soak a pan of red lentils in cold water for 10 minutes before bringing them to a boil with turmeric and salt and cook over a medium heat for 40 minutes. Meanwhile, make the tadka. 
Sizzle my jello seeds in sunflower oil, add grated ginger, garlic, chopped green chilies, tomato puree, ground coriander and fresh coriander and mix together. Once the lentils are cooked, add the tartka and cook for another two minutes. Serve with more nigella seeds. It's curious that we've become more familiar both with dishes from other cultures that use pulses like dal, but also with pulses from other parts of the world. And coming back to the fava bean that farmers grow because it's such a fantastic crop, puts fertility into the soil, it's a great break crop, wonderful for farming. Farmers keep growing it even though we stopped eating it a few hundred years ago and now we send all our best beans to the Middle East where they're widely appreciated. Mad, absolutely mad isn't it? Quinoa is another one of yours. Yes, so we started with pulses, we started with the fava bean, um, but then and our aim when we started Hobmadod was primarily to, just to get British-grown fava beans back into British kitchens because we thought this is a fantastic British crop. It's got everything going for it in terms of flavour, versatility, health, nutrition and sustainability as well. Really good for the environment. That was our initial aim, but we soon realised from talking to farmers and looking at the crops that are being grown and crops that might be grown that there's a, a far bigger opportunity to bring a greater diversity of crops from arable farming back into our kitchens and thereby increase both the diversity of farming, which has huge benefits, and the diversity of our diets. And, and also to bring provenance to that type of ingredient, the sort of larder, dry goods, where, which have often been forgotten when we think about provenance. We think about local meat and local vegetables and so on, but we very rarely think about where the chickpeas in our country come from or where the rice comes from or how it's grown or even what it looks like when it's growing. And adding new crops into British farms means bringing back the traditional mixed farming that's so essential to our soil. If we can bring more diversity both into farms and into our diets then there are huge benefits and on farms that means uh, avoiding the build-up of pests that love monocultures and they love the same crop being grown year after year because they can just multiply on that crop and then cause more and more problems. If we're which, growing, which requires more and more pesticides. Ab- absolutely, you've just got to... Which depletes the soil. Put, put more and more onto the land to try and fight the problem. If you're growing a greater diversity of crops, all of this helps to increase agricultural biodiversity, the natural biodiversity, and just make farming more sustainable and, we hope, more viable as well. You're getting a lot of people asking for pulses. They're stockpiling because of the corona crisis. Yes, it's, it's a strange thing that suddenly we're thinking about food differently. And I guess the, the threat of coronavirus and the uncertainty is raising thoughts about food security. How are we going to feed ourselves if there is significant disruption? And... We, we are seeing a lot of people coming to us and suddenly buying pulses and a lot more pulses than they bought before. Because if, if food supply is going to be disrupted, these are the sorts of ingredients that are very dependable. And going back hundreds of years to our ancestors who started growing those fava beans because they could be stored year round, that was providing food security back then. You have a, a crop that can be stored and pulses can be stored almost indefinitely. They're always best if they're eaten in the year after harvest, but you can keep them almost indefinitely. So you can have a, a store of pulses and, and then be confident of never going hungry. Yeah, it, there are infinite things that you can do with pulses, of course. A- absolutely. And we, we talked about Dahl, and I, I just mentioned the British Dahl Festival, which is something we've helped to create to really tap into that strange situation where we're now more familiar with 
dull than we are with our own traditional pulse dishes. And uh, the British Dole Festival is uh, an initiative which seeks to celebrate dole and the pulses that go into dole, but also through that to raise awareness generally of the variety of dishes, the, the equivalents of dal all across the world and in our own country, and the pulses that are grown all around the world to use in those different traditional cuisines. Yeah. Going back to that vision that you were given by Transition Town, do you think it is a vision that could actually come true? Could we actually, could Norfolk feed itself? I think theoretically, but from where we are now, it would require a huge change. And with arable crops, working at the most local level is incredibly challenging. We've, we've lost a lot of our local infrastructure, which is simply the, the machinery need to clean crops when they're harvested and then to process them, even minimal processing like um, splitting peas or flaking cereals or milling cereals. We've, we've lost a lot of that locally. You've got to balance the production of a farm with the available market. And if a, a farm grows, say, 20 acres of of beans they might produce 30 tons or so we've got to change people's diets significantly if we're going to sell those 30 tons very locally so we started Homodod with the vision of taking a step towards that more hyper local possible future by focusing on national production British production of pulses and really bringing the grains and seeds into our kitchens where recently they've been largely imported and also largely anonymous. We, we want to let people know where they come from and yeah. who's grown them. And it's people like Tom Hunt and Ian here at Pocatapas who can bring that message. Melissa Hemsley, I see, um, who's part of the How to Eat Save the Planet series. Um, I see that you know she's her book is on all over your website. It's things like that. It's the association with the people that we begin to know. It's telling a different kind of story that raises the the profile, makes it cool. I hate to say it, but it is. I mean, you know, hyper local and eating out at cool places like Pocatapas helps, doesn't it? It, it really does. Uh, so Melissa Hemsley, I think, first got really excited about our British grown quinoa and has since been a great supporter of our, our whole range of uh, beans, peas, seeds and, and, and other crops. And uh, we were really excited to see her new cookbook with um, yeah, a fantastic focus on those sorts of ingredients. And Keris Matthews as well, who has also just published a new book and uh, is also focusing very much on a, a, a plant-based diet and the use of pulses as a, a central part of that. Very soon after we started Homodods, uh, we had a phone call from Gelf Alderson, who was one of the chefs at River Cottage. He's now the head chef at River Cottage. And they had heard about what we were doing to get British-grown pulses back into kitchens and, and were just really excited at the prospect of moving all their pulses with their real focus on provenance and British production, moving them to, to British-grown pulses. And they've been great supporters of ours um, from, from the outset. Um, we've also got a number of chefs in, in other restaurants using our, our pulses, our grains and our seeds. Uh, Chantal Nicholson at Treadwells in, uh, in London is really showing how um, a restaurant can provide food that is primarily about the plants, not exclusively, but primarily, and making fantastic use of our ingredients in that way and putting them at the centre of centre of the menu. Uh, among other chefs using our, our ingredients is Henrietta Inman at 26 Grains, um, David Bez at um, the, the Plant Hub, I think it's called, in Hackney, Nicola Horden at Darsham Nurseries in Suffolk, 
um, doing fantastic things with, with our pulses and other ingredients. Uh, another chef who uh, is, a, is a great supporter of our, our pulses is Romy Gill, who uh, has been involved in the British Dial Festival and loves using our pulses in her plant-based Indian cooking and does amazing things with them. And I'd love to see her do it on Ready Steady Cook as well, which she's just started presenting. Absolutely, yeah, I hope that day will come. Cyrus Todiwala is another chef who I think has used our, our um, pulses, our, our peas on Ready Steady Cook in the past and uh, also is a, is a great supporter of the British Star Festival. The support of chefs and food writers who recognise what we're doing and then help us to get the message across and, and also show what fantastic dishes can be created with our ingredients. Um, that is really important and I think it it helps to change our food culture by trailblazing the use of different ingredients and, and changing the balance of ingredients in our, in our meals. And I think over the last few years, we've really seen a lot of chefs take on board the sustainability issues and the need to address the sustainability of our food really seriously and really help to communicate that more widely. Yeah, and that they create safe spaces where we rely on them to do all the sourcing for us and we know that we're going to get the most ethical, the least food miles, the most sustainable produce in a really fun environment. Yes, they know about food, so it makes sense for them to, to help people more generally to identify what's good food not just in terms of good to eat, but also in terms of good in the way it's produced and good for the planet and, and good for ourselves as well, in, in, for our health and nutrition. And I think chefs are in, just increasingly taking that role more and more seriously and really helping to get the message out about the wonderful foods we could be eating, but we're not. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Tom Hunt is the eco-chef behind Poker Tapas and also the author of Eating for Pleasure, People and the Planet. I asked him about his manifesto for a more sustainable approach to restaurant food. Okay, well, at the restaurant... Um, for a number of years we've been planning to improve our kind of meat philosophy and 
really set an exemplary standard through only using carbon, well, hopefully carbon zero meat. So trying to source wild foods that need to be culled, like monk jack venison and um, squirrel and things like that. We haven't got any squirrel on the menu at the moment, but it's something we might... Pigeon. Uh, on pigeon, yeah. yeah. From the rivers, you could be choosing to use something like red signal crayfish, uh, which again are a pest that need to be culled because their numbers are just growing mm-hmm. exponentially and mm-hmm. not only destroying the riverbanks but eating our native species. Yeah. Um, and um, what else? I mean, ex dairy herd cattle. Um, Food, wild boar meat that would otherwise truly wild boar yeah. often the wild boar that you get sold from butchers isn't actually wild it's just the species yeah so meat that would otherwise be wasted or is a pest in some way is not being utilized by the natural order of things yeah or even those cuts that that do end up just getting rendered down quite often yeah. like i've seen butchers throw and sorry butchers lamb belly into the into the rendering bins and and things like that so it's really you know like chefs have been harking on for the last kind of 20 30 years from st john and fergus and hugh fernley whittingstall and everyone else you know it's really they got it right and and you know through working with hugh at river cottage in 2003 and four or five around that, that around that time kind of i feel like kind of what he was doing then really was the kind of the beginnings of what we're seeing now in terms of the sustainability movement yeah less but better less but better but much less yeah and much better how important is it to you that you use uk british grown pulses if we can think about not only eating more plants but eating plants that have been grown either well in the UK but certainly using better farming methods and that's what's really most important here is that is the is the method of farming yeah. and and that means farming that ha- helps improve soil uses less or no fertilizers and pesticides because of those practices that really support a better ecology and ecosystem around um, the farm itself Plants are always going to be a better choice, no matter which food system you're picking from, the conventional food system or the organic food system. In terms of their carbon emissions and impact on the environment, generally. I mean, sustainability has to look in a holistic way at the whole food system. And, of course, eating too many avocados in the UK has bumped up prices in Kenya and Mexico. And, and, and made a staple food less affordable for local people, and that's another issue. As a chef, how hard was it to actually become vegetarian when your restaurant serves meat? It was a really important decision for me as a chef, and before I became vegetarian, I was considering killing t- meat to eat, so only eating meat that I'd killed, like Louise Gray, who actually wrote a book on, on the subject. Um, and the reason for that was is I kind of felt like I'm, you know, going around talking about how we need to reconnect with the origin of our food, yet I'm eating meat when I really don't like killing animals and or eating them unnecessarily. Um, And so, and I also found myself eating poor quality meat on occasion, even though I cared because, you know, you're out 
and you want a sandwich or whatever and it's really hard to find good quality meat a lot of the time. I think 96% of the meat in the UK sold is factory farmed. So that kind of really brings it home, doesn't it, in terms of like the quality meat that is out there is such a kind of minute amount of the total food sold. Yeah, but I would never eat a, a, a rubbish meat sandwich. I don't. I do eat meat. I eat it very rarely. But when I eat it, I absolutely know where it comes from, and I absolutely know that that is the highest welfare that can be. But you know, it, in twenty twenty, you know, you can find amazing sandwiches on the run. What actually made you give up all that tasting, all that? creativity that you have to do in a restaurant to unless you are going to be a completely vegetarian restaurant which you're not was the thinking ian clark who you're also talking to is is our chef he he tastes the meat he creates the dishes and i still write recipes for meat because i believe what as i said earlier i'm an advocate for good animal agriculture and so i i think considering the work that i do and the knowledge i have around farming and, and food it's important for me to to write those recipes and so in my guardian column i do often kind of choose those odds and ends i've done a recipe for lamb belly and things like that and i i mean cooking for 20 years i don't i feel like i intuitively know how something's going to taste and then i can work with my friends and and and, or partner if i'm tasting uh, and, and cooking recipes at home um to taste them and, and kind of if they need any sort of fine tuning, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's it was a big decision, and um, but it's also a very personal one. Um, and yes, I, I mean it's it's impressive that you can yourself you you know you can avoid those kind of cheaper cuts of meat, but for me it's kind of, I'm a bit all or nothing, and I kind of like had to do that in order to. Cut it out. Ian Clark is the head chef at Poker Tapas and is preparing one of the dishes that I'll be having later that evening. What we're going to cook for you tonight is that it's a dish which has been on our menu for a couple of weeks now. So it's it's locally um, sourced pheasant, which is byproducts from the local shoots we have around here. That's with uh, the lovely olive green lentils from Hodmadods, locally sourced mushrooms, quinoa cracker. Um, we've got dry pear, pickled pear, and with basically we're going to use a mushroom stock going into these lentils to really absorb the lovely mushroom umami flavour now Tom is famously the chef who turned vegetarian yes he leaves you to do all the fancy stuff with the, with the meat he now. does currently uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to say that you don't know what to do with a plant based dish no I mean it's I would say I would, I'd say I've looked through his books to get a couple of ideas <laughs> now and again it opens your mind, I think, to being quite creative with yeah. plant-based food, and there's so much out there, and you can, like, you know, you've got to keep biodiverse as well. Yeah. Like, you know. So, how would you flavour those lentils, for example? So, without in, using any meat stocks, mushroom stock. I dry my own mushrooms out, shiitake mushrooms, bra- braise them in that. Super anti-coronavirus. Super Who anti- knew? Yeah, amazing. According to several epidemiological studies. Japanese mushrooms such as shiitake, maitake and enikotake are packed with lentinum, which stimulates the immune system. <laughs> um, so, and then just injecting it with a lot of herbs if you want at the end. Um, but I, I ideally would go a mushroom stock 
Um, so much flavour in yeah. that, so yeah. much flavour. And the, the lentils have got a lovely nutty sort of flavour to them as well, which is yeah. fantastic. So it's all about sourcing the best products possible yeah. and then working up the flavour using the umami of something like a mushroom as well. You get that extra hit. Yeah. I noticed that you've got Grow Bristol trays all around. Tell me about that. So Grow Bristol is an urban um, farm um, growing microgreens, basically, and um, I can actually see their grow lights of an evening just over the other side of the road so it's fantastic you know it's to keep that carbon footprint footprint down to a minimum um and it's 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 just that you know it's it's good healthy eating at the end of the day you know keep keep the bugs away is yeah. what good plant-based food is all about really absolutely and then you plow that back into the ground don't you you, you weigh your waste and you recycle or upcycle 90 percent of that we do yeah um even like a lot of the compost trays that the microgreens come in we take to our allotment and it goes into our soil at the allotment and a lot of our food is going to come from there this year this kind of circular economy from composting is becoming popular with chefs across british cities in London, Indie Ecology collects food waste from more than 80 top restaurants in the capital, including Michelin star The Ledbury, Michel Ruse Le Gavroche, and Robin Gill's The Dairy and Sorella. Based on the Japanese Bokashi method, the process uses pesticide-free fermented molasses to turn high-end leftovers into compost on a 10-acre farm in West Sussex, where the chefs then rent plots to grow their vegetables. You've had the Sustainable Restaurant Award two years running for these kind of initiatives. I'm just wondering how realistic it is to expect you know, 90% of the country's restaurants to follow your example. I think it's very realistic. It's just no, you know, just having the time to research it and just do it properly. Um, this was, I, I, this was already started before I, I came here, so I can imagine, you know, the research that did go into it to get this up and running right at the beginning of Poco would have been quite detailed. Yeah. Um, but once you got it going, I, I believe, you know, it, all the hard work's done, um, and a lot of restaurants would follow follow suit in that, which I, I believe that is happening, but probably a lot slower than we would like. Could you say that the Grow Bristol microgreens are more delicious because of the circular economy compost soil that they grew in? Can we stretch it that far? Um, I mean, you can try one. I mean, that's an assertion you've got there. Um, I mean, that is a potently peppery assertion. They are crazy, aren't they? And I mean, the whole range is unbelievable. I mean, all, all the compost is from Bristol Green Waste, and then it goes just on the outskirts of Bristol, and then comes back to the centre of the, you know, to the farm. Yeah, right. it's a fantastic product. Well, I'm coming back here later for dinner. I can't yeah. wait. I'm going to have that dish. Thank yeah. you very much indeed. Awesome. Thank you. And it was sensational. A sharing menu of smoked squash calabasa, squash seed ducker, and heritage beetroot with smoked walnut and hodmadod quinoa cracker, all sourced from British farms. It was my last supper. Well, out at least. Only a week later, restaurants are already facing an uncertain future as the coronavirus forces the country into lockdown. But we have seen the future. Over the next few months, we'll all be forced to think about food waste and localism as we hunker down and sit this out. In these extraordinary days, let's learn how to be resilient, to respect the land and connect once again with the source of our food as we eat to save the planet. Thanks for listening and thanks to Acast for hosting. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe, add it to your favourites, leave a comment and share wherever you can.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.